Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I have a special for you, a bonus episode, just like I did in October with the Halloween Elvin and the Chipmunks episode. I'm doing the same thing here with Thanksgiving. Yes, there is a Thanksgiving themed episode. It's called. Elvin's, uh, thinks, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not prepared. Where is it? A chipmunk celebration. Elvin, Simon, and Theodore sign up for a community Thanksgiving play, but when the assignments are all scrambled, the boys are freaked out that they'll bomb. And here's more of a detailed description of it. The chipmunks finish making invitations to send to their relatives and then leave to audition for the town play Pilgrim's Adventures in a New Land. And the thing is, when I was watching this originally for my own enjoyment, I thought it was a school-sanctioned play, but no, it's an actual play on a theater stage with a marquee out front with advertisements, just big, big, big... Uh, advertisements like since Elvin and the Chipmunks are world known musicians in their world. So of course they want to get all their friends and family to come and see them perform this play. So Elvin tries for the role of the lead while Simon tries for lighting and sound director and theater costume designer. However, the director of the play feels that to properly celebrate the pilgrim story of adventure, the boy should branch out and attempt new positions. As a result, she casts Simon as the lead, Theodore as lighting and sound director, and Elvin as the costume designer to expand their talents. Dave explains to the boys that life is about taking chances, but they aren't convinced. That night, they each have nightmares of their failure and humiliation. They come up with a plan to rescue a ladies, Simon in quotes, little girl, a doll in quotes, at the zoo to get out of the play. With only five minutes until the play, a police officer rushes them to the theater and their grandmother praises their skills used in the rescue act, informing them that they can do the same for the play, kindling their self-confidence. They are successful at the rules and at Thanksgiving dinner, inform Dave they signed him up for a golf competition, which does not have anything to do with Thanksgiving. So let's take a deep dive into this episode of Elvin and the Chipmunks. Alright, so the the episode opens on a framed photo of Dave with Elvin, Simon, and Theodore. And I love how he's looking down at them with such love. And I love how they're all looking up at him with such love and adoration. And here comes a big question. I don't understand these other photos. I get one of them is Dave's grandmother. It's clearly not his mom. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think that is the grandma. That is like an aunt or something. If I, but we'll get into that. But here's another question. Here's a big question, guys. On the wall, there are pictures of... Elvin, Simon, and Theodore's relatives. Like, relative... Chipmunk relatives that came from who knows where. We don't know anything about their backstory other than the episode where their mother leaves them on Dave's doorstep. We don't know anything about their father. We don't know anything about their roots. 
and this is the first time I I mean I was surprised I'm like who are all these chipmunk family members coming literally coming out of the woodwork there were what felt like 50 plus relatives coming over for this play just as the summary described Dave, Simon, and Theodore are getting all these invitations ready to go and out in the mail. Oh my god! Can you imagine? I mean, stamps, yes, that's... But this is back in the day when you had to lick the stamp. I was around for the times when you had to lick a stamp. But not so much. That's not a big deal. It's the writing out of the addresses. Oh my god! Call. And I'm just like, thank goodness for computers and printers. You can just make a bunch of address labels with, that's what I do for Christmas cards. I just type out the address of people who I'm sending Christmas cards to, print it up, stick it on the envelope with our own address labels in the upper left-hand corner. But I, I can see now why Simon's pencil is basically a nub with an eraser. He probably started with a brand new pencil at the beginning of writing out these invitations and just slowly but surely having to resharpen it has eaten away at the pencil. I wanna know how many people they're inviting. <laughs> There's like two big stacks of envelopes. There's gotta be at least 150 envelopes there between the two stacks on the coffee table. Not to mention the letters that are just absently thrown on to the coffee table. Dave just keeps handing Simon more and more envelopes to hand to Theodore. Of course, here rolls an Elvin with his pilgrim hat sliding along the coffee table with all the letters just and an explosion in the air. So we do learn that the play is going to be next week. Because they're like, well, I hope they all can come. You're sending them out when the play is a week away? Are you... What if people make plans? This is supposed to be Thanksgiving dinner, right? Who's coming to see a play on Thanksgiving dinner? Nobody. And anyway, like I said, it's a week before Thanksgiving there. Everyone else has made their plans. Surely, well, I, I, I'd like to come, guys, but I, I, I can't get the time off of work right now. You really should have let me know like a month ago. I mean, next week, that's a, I, I'm, I'll try. I'll ask the boss, but I, I don't think. I, I don't think he's going to let me come, guys. What in the- what if it's with David's eyes? What's with Dave's eyes? In A Chipmunk Adventure and the other Christmas Elvin and the Chipmunks episodes I've covered over the years, he's had blue eyes. Why's he got brown eyes? Why? That is really weird. It just doesn't look like Dave. And David's really surprised, like, wow, Elvin, I never knew you were so excited to see your relatives. So, Elvin chalks it up to, oh, Dave, as you get older, you know, one tends to crave the sense of family and community. They want to pack that theater with all the, the relatives, and they probably will if every single one of them has nothing going on next week, and they just are able to get a plane ticket to fly. Unless they live in the city, 
Unless they live nearby in the same state and they can just drive the umpteen hours. Maybe that's it. Okay, so they haven't even doled out the parts yet for what the boys are going to be doing. Elvin is just so sure he's going to land the lead. Because, you know, he's got that grace, that star power that just everyone loves. That's why he's got the A. That's why he's got the letter. He's Alvin. And Simon and Theodore are his backup singers. Oh, I'm sorry. That's wrong of me. Simon and Theodore are just as important as Alvin when it comes to the trio. Simon's like, yeah, he just wants to show off, show off for the relatives. And Theodore holds up a flyer of their play called Pilgrims. And we see a Native American man dressed in a headdress and a... I don't know the official term. I mean, calling it a blanket, a decorative blanket, just sounds offensive. And they're shaking hands with the pilgrims. Adventures in a new land. Apparently they're going to broadcast this play live because it's a community theater play. It's not on Broadway. It's not a school-sanctioned play. It's just a regular community theater. And I am getting, I don't know why, when uh, <laughs> Alvin says, I'll be the talk of the town, or the toast of the town. I was getting some Mrs. Olsen from Little House on the Prairie vibes. Just the whole, the mercantile we got to drum up business with the circus coming in. Everyone's going to be coming to us for everything. And just like, oh, we're going to be the talk of the town. Uh. And that's why she set up a restaurant across the street from the Mercantile for Nellie. Because she wanted to own every single bit of everything in Walnut Grove to have the Olsen name. But anyway, it's just... Mm. So Dave's like, hey, Simon, what about you? What are you going to be doing in this play? You going to, you know, try out for it? And Simon is like, no, 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 I'm not an actor, Dave. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm more of a behind-the-scenes guy. And he is, with his inventions and his technical knowledge and computer knowledge, he is perfect for behind-the-scenes work. So given his technical expertise and knowledge, he wants to be the light and sound guy. And Theodore wants to do the costumes. That's interesting because when we see Theodore, he's always cooking something. So we know he's good in the kitchen. But this is like, wow, is this another hidden talent from Theodore that we've not known before? He's got other talents besides cooking. Alright, so it's 3 o'clock. Simon tells them, we gotta get to the playhouse and request our assignments. As they take the envelopes, of course, to pop them in the mailbox before they head there. Make sure you give it plenty of time. You know, it's going to take at least a couple days before those letters or, you know, those announcements get out to your relatives. I'd say they could just, you know, save stamps and call them. But then again, this is, came out in the, this one came out in the 90s. So I'm pretty sure long <laughs> distance was very expensive. Even, excuse me. Oh, dang it. Even if he lived in the same state. Oh no, I'm sorry. They give all the letters to Dave. Say, it's your problem now. Bye. We gotta go. Okay, they're invitations. Yes. 
I love how Alvin's like, now Dave, remember, get those in the mail ASAP. We want every seat to be filled with the asses of our relatives. Alright, so we get a montage musical montage. As soon as I heard this song, I'm like, I know what I heard this from. A Chipmunk Adventure, remember when <laughs> Miss Miller gets a call from Dave and she's like cooking in the kitchen and she's singing that, come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna make you candy. You know, that song <laughs> that I think was made off of this, that movie. And there's two montages of that song in this 25 minute episode but we see him stuffing that u.s mailbox and it says a chipmunk celebration as we see inside the mailbox the giant mailbox all these letters mixed with other people's bills and uh shut off notices and jury duty notices and stuff credit card bills and stuff. Oh my gosh, no, that was like, oh, okay, I gotta go back. What was, what am I seeing? Okay. We see that their relatives live, like, in all 50 of the United States of America. See, we see New York, Arizona, California, Pennsylvania, Iowa, India, Illinois, Maine, Delaware, uh, Alaska, Utah. Oh my gosh, I've never, <laughs> I've never seen a postal truck with airplane wings and a, a back fin on the side. And they're all four of them are driving up this giant hill of road. Oh, <laughs> those weren't, I thought they were postal trucks. No, those are postal airplanes, maybe. I thought they were postal. The, the way that they were positioned on what looked like a road looked like they were postal trucks with wings and a fin. I'm like, oh, no, those aren't that. <laughs> They're airplanes. We see <laughs> that poor mailman running for his life as that dog is chasing him out for blood. Apparently one of their relatives, their chipmunk relatives, owns a car dealership. And there are even some that live under the ground. Grandma Henny. Okay, so it's Grandma Henny. It's not like Aunt so-and-so. Why did I think it was an aunt? And this lady, she's got quite a bit of white hair. So she's got to be Dave's aunt. This I love, I mean, she's got overalls and a t-shirt, a hat backwards. She's working on underneath her car, getting it all ready to go. Apparently there's a relative that's a tailor and there's a man that is standing in front of a mirror with one that he and, and the tailor is got one of those long, you know, measure white measure tapes and he ends up choking this person of color out. And I'm like, what in the hell? What in the hell? Because a mailman comes in with an invitation to the play. I could see how that nowadays would be very offensive if you check out this scene. Wow, that that poor postal worker is just like back bent, like shoulders down, like, <laughs> like he's weighed down with all those letters as the sun is going down and the sky is kind of a yellowy orange. 
it weren't for those buildings, I would have said, wow, he's in one of the deserts in Arizona. Another dog is running after this poor man. I don't think it's the same postal worker, but good grief. So this is really weird. They The whole time this montage song has been going on, the credits have been rolling. Even when we go back to the house, which this is a gorgeous house, by the way. It says, directed by Walt Kubiak. But it's just, it, they, these are credits that normally come up after the program has ended. Oh, wow. They even have a weather vane on top of the roof. That's pretty wild. So, we got Dave in the backyard working on his putt. And he ends up hitting that little um, weather vane. He's like, oh, it looks like I got a birdie. And then he also ends up breaking a window in his house. We see who looks like Mr. Carroll from the Merry Christmas Mr. Carroll episode playing Mr. Ferguson, who's I guess Dave also wanted to have his windowsills painted, or his vinyls, or his wood siding painted. My gosh, people are just coming to see the play. Your your relatives are just coming to see this play. You don't gotta revamp your entire house. Clean it, sure. But, ugh. It's clearly taking advantage of all the money that the, the boys are bringing in with their music career. Well, since you're bringing in money and you do live here, rent-free, I guess I will fix up the house. And Dave is just frustrated. He's like, ugh, I hate this game. I don't really care for golf either. I just liked driving around in the little golf carts when my dad would go play golf. My gosh, Dave, you got a temper. Man, you need to see someone about your anger issues. I don't know what he broke this time. Another window? It sounded really loud. And he's so angry, he bends his golf club. I, I, I don't know why I almost thought golf stick. But I'm like, no, that's not the proper term. And don't ask me what type of club it is, because I have no idea. Oh, those blue, those brown eyes of his are just so distracting. When you see him, you know, with blue eyes and, like, every single thing, every single episode, it just, it's really distracting to see these chocolate brown eyes and his black hair. Good grief! One, two, three, four... Five, six. There's like six bent clubs. But then again, he's living off the chipmunk's money. So he's probably, I can bend one and buy another. He's working his way through his entire set. He probably has like two clubs left. So Elvin is in a panic. He's like, Dave, where are those invitations? You didn't send them out yet, did you? And Dave's like, Elvin, chill out. What's wrong with you? Turns out the kids, the positions they wanted in the play, you know, Alvin wanted the lead, Simon wanted the technical behind-the-scenes work, and Theodore wanted the costume design. But their theater directors, like, no, no, you guys, I mean, you might want your ideal roles, which you may think is probably suited for you, but we're going to mix things up. We got Simon playing the lead. We have, I believe, Elvin doing the costumes and Theodore doing the lights. Oh, that is a disaster. Just all of it. 
I, I mean, I get sometimes getting out of your comfort zone and trying new things, but the play is like in a week. Elvin has no experience with making and sewing and putting together costumes. And we know how awkward Simon is with, you know, talking to the public and everything like that. And Theodore, whew, Mr. Clumsy Thumblethumbs there. I can't see him handling a, uh, a soundboard or uh, a lighting board or handling one of those big old spotlights. No, I can't see any of that going down and not having it be just total cray-crayness. Okay, so it's been four days since he sent out the invitations. Clearly the family's all received theirs. Whether they've applied or not, replied, who knows. So it took, I thought, so four days ago they were going like, hey, let's sign up for the positions that we want for this play. And four days later they find out they're not getting the positions that they want. They're just afraid of, you know, being embarrassed in front of their family, which, I mean, their fam—I mean, their family's coming from all 50 plus states. Well, there's only 50 states. There's only 50 states. <laughs> Unless there's some out there that haven't yet, have yet to be discovered. Who knows? But Alvin's like, I'm going to be the toast of the town. I'm going to be the talk of the town. Everyone's going to be talking about me and my work in the play for years to come. I believe... This is kind of small apples compared to, I mean, you go out on sold-out tours, you travel the country, millions of fans, and you're concerned about family seeing this play. And Dave tells them, well, as a matter of fact, your grandma Henny is arriving tomorrow, and we just hear the plunk, and Dave stands up, looks back, and sees all three of his boys collapsed on the ground having fainted. I'd say they're being quite a bit overdramatic. My goodness! They're still passed out with pillows on their underneath their heads on the couch and Dave is getting them cold compresses. You'd think someone told them the president's coming to see your play and he's gonna heckle you with tomatoes. <laughs> if you suck. And apparently Grandma Henny is known to be a tough old bird and very critical when it comes to anyone doing any type of activity. And Elvin sits up and he's like, it's not Grandma Henny. It's our casting assignments. So Elvin tells Dave that the boys should celebrate the celebrate the pilgrim spirit of adventure. By trying something, and he can barely get the word new. And, new, 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 new. and then Simon sits up as Elvin flings himself against the couch and the pillow. Simon's like, oh, well, he, she's evil, Dave. Miss Carrie wants me to play the lead. Oh, buddy. Well, that sucks. And he tells Dave, you know, I haven't acted on stage since I humiliated myself and my entire, in front of my entire family when I played the lead in The Merchant of Venice. And Dave chalks it up to, you know, Simon, you were three years old when you did that, okay? Give yourself some credit. It takes a lot of guts and a lot of nerve for a three-year-old to get up on stage and perform a play. I don't know anything about The Merchant of Venice. 
But that's not going to stop me from figuring it out. Let's see. Merchant of Venice, a 16th century play written by William Shakespeare in which a merchant in Venice named Antonio defaults on a large loan provided by a Jewish moneylender, Shylock. It is believed to have been written between 1596 and 1599. Oh, let's see. Although classified as a comedy in the first folio and sharing certain aspects with Shakespeare's other romantic comedies, the play is most remembered for its dramatic scenes and is best known for Shylock and his famous Hath Not a Jew Eyes speech on humanity. Also notable is Portia's speech about the quality of mercy. Wow. Plot, oh, plot summary. That's pretty much what that is. Interesting. Hmm. I'm not going to read it, but it's interesting. Okay, moving on. And Simon's, I think I'm going to be sick. And he flings himself back against the couch and pillow when Theodore pops up from the couch. And poor Theodore's like practically in tears, but that's just how Theodore speaks. It's like, what about me? I don't know anything about lighting. I'm just not maniacally inclined. I think it's more like, you mean mechanically inclined, but... Oh, (laughs) Dave's the one who's like, I think you mean mechanically implied theater. Inclined theater. Theater. Theodore. (laughs) Sorry. I was like, and me, a costume designer. He's like, I haven't, I haven't even seen a sewing needle. Uh, I, I, mm, I would not trust Elvin with sewing needles or needles of any kind. All three boys sit up, look at Dave, and say, "This is the most miserable day of our lives, of all our lives." Ugh. You're ten, twelve years. They're not twelve. They're not twelve. They're like ten. Um, and I gotta say, just you wait, because this is just, this is like nothing to c- compare to what will probably happen down the road. It's amazing how growing up when we think these little moments, like, this is the worst day of my life, this happened, I stepped in a puddle, lost my lunch, forgot my homework, and it's humiliated when I had to stand in front of the class and, and read my book report and you're like this is the worst day of my life and it's like it seems like your life here and there sometimes along the way is compiled of those moments of this is the worst day of my life until the next thing happens and it's like this is the worst day of my life since that happened it's like if you think about it if you kind of like juggle the amount of worst days in your life versus the good days you had it seems like a lot of the time, the good days, if you look at it and the great scheme of things, the good days more than likely outweigh the bad days. Just depends on, you know, and I think sometimes these, this is the worst day of my life, it's like kind of ranking those, like, is it? Remember when this happened? It's not as bad as you're making. But then again, I mean, I was a kid. I probably, I don't think I ever said the words, this was the worst day of my life. I never, ever uttered those words out loud to anybody. No, I just cried a lot in school. Um, eventually, uh, I stopped once I got to middle school. 
This is good advice from Dave, and this can be applied to all of us. He says, if you don't take risks once in a while, and if you don't take risks and tackle what you're afraid of, you'll never grow as people, or in their case, chipmunks. But still, I mean, he does have a point. I know one day, eventually, I am going to have to tackle these roads here in this new city, and I do it in baby steps. But I'm slowly, granted, I know that Jeremy will come home and say, Hey, so where did you drive to today? And I'll say, uh, nowhere. <laughs> Just the thought of it, I mean, this isn't like getting the lead in the play when I wanted to work behind the scenes or being in charge of making costumes or the lighting department when I wanted to do this. This is me driving in an unfamiliar area, even if I had GPS and just being really overwhelmed and afraid I'm going to make a wrong turn or something's going to happen. Don't even get me started on those expressions. I don't ever want to hit those. I don't ever want to get to those. Okay, what kind of joke is this? Oh, it's a... Okay, so it's more of a... As... I love how Alvin is glaring at Dave over the arm of the couch, saying, if I wanted personal growth, I'd wear high heels. So this could be a short joke, or it could be a joke taken in another direction. At first, I'm like, well, that sounds offensive. But I'm like, no, I think he's talking just because he's short. So Dave's got a story to tell. As he says, have I ever told you boys about one of my most embarrassing moments? And all three of their heads turn and look at him. Like, no, you've never told us a story. We're all ears now. But clearly our problems that we're going through right now can't compare to what you went through. Whatever that might be. At least he's distracting them for the time being with his own worst day of my life situation memory. He says he was on an, this amateur show, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and we cut to a stage with a red curtain and a blue banner that says in red print, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, with white stars on it, and we see a cameraman for TV5. A singing cowboy, the announcer calls. Welcome, the singing cowboy. Little Davy Seville. And here comes Davy Seville with a ginormous umpteen gallon hat. With, is he wearing spurs on those boots? Not, but I mean, he's got the whole get up. He's got the, the, the belt, the gun belt with the slots for bullets. He's got like cowhide, uh, I don't even know what you call those things. I'm sure there's a word for it. The thing that go runs down your legs. It's not an a. It's not. I don't know what. Anyway, <laughs> um, when I first watched this with Jeremy, I noticed something weird. <laughs> and like, um, Jeremy, are da- little Dave's eyes blue? And Jeremy's like, yeah. I'm like, well, then how did they change to brown when he became an adult? Little Davy Seville's like three, four years old, and his eyes are blue. Normally, I mean, if the baby's born, sometimes their eyes are blue, and then they change to a different, you know, they're normal. It's going to be there for the rest of your life. Eye color. 
but not at three years. So at three years old, you have your eye color. You're you're not going to change your eye. Your eyes aren't magically going to change when you become an adult. That might get you know worse over time, and you might eventually need glasses or contacts or eventually bifocals. You know, even the people that don't wear glasses for the majority of their life at one point will be wearing glasses. My dad was the same way. As his eyes began to get bad over time, he was never wearing glasses until he probably hit, oh gosh, maybe somewhere in his 50s. And he'd always get I don't think they were ever prescribed glasses, but they were the ones that you get off the rack at like a Rite Aid or something. Um, is he so nervous he's messing up the lyrics? He's singing that song, Give Me a Home Where the Buffalo Roam. Or, no, that's not the title of the song. It's, um, Home on the Range. He's like, give me a home when the cantaloupe roam. Like, you mean Buffalo. And everyone's like, oh, you suck, Seville. Get off the stage. They're saying that to a three-year-old. Where? <laughs> these kids, are they supposed to be his class? They can't be because these kids are like junior high age children. He's literally like three or four years old. Um, why are we centering on this one particular kid in the audience that's laughing his ass off? Well, the same chocolate brown eyes that Dave will later have as an adult. It's like, why are we, is he going to say something? Like, Seville, get off the stage. You suck. You're horrible. And Dave's narrating the story, of course. He says, since I couldn't remember the words, I made up my own. Well, I mean, it's always good to improvise, but. But he starts singing, oh, give me the West where the men are the best. And the sunsets are golden something. I can't tell. This thing does not have subtitles on it. So that hat that he's wearing literally looks like it could swallow him whole. Like you pull that hat down. It's going to cover his entire head. And also those guns look like they weigh like 10 pounds a piece on either side of him. He's continuing where uh, nobody is blue and your dreams all come true. He's just making, oh, that's cute. I like that he's, you know, improvising. It's still not the correct lyrics, but hey, he's quick on his feet. That's what matters. Sometimes you got to improvise to save yourself from humiliation. I cannot understand this last line. It sounds like everyone sits where they should. Is that... <laughs> what? Oh, it sounds like he says everyone sits shoe to shoe. What? <laughs> I can't make it... See, this is why I need the subtitles. And there aren't any with this. Apparently, they all love it. They love it. Even that guy that... Dude, the, the kid, whatever they're focusing on. And zooming into this particular kid. And I'm just wondering... Why? What is this? What's great about this kid? He's going to like, hey, Seville, you did great out there. You really are fast on your feet with improvising. <laughs> I don't know. And that, ladies and gentlemen, at three years old is when Dave Seville decided to become a songwriter. That day. 
Which, I mean, that's pretty cool. It's an inspiration. I mean, he was thinking on his feet. He, you know, you, you got to do that. You got to be quick. You know, instead of them laughing at him anymore, now they're cheering for him. You know, he probably could. I bet he went home and he's like, Mom, Dad, take this down. Take down these lyrics because I want to make this into a song. So, we come out of the flashback. The boys are sitting on the arm of the chair that Dave's sitting in. And Elvin is, like, grabbing Dave by his sweater and saying, Dave, what are you saying? I'm going to grow up to be a seamstress? It's like, no, Elvin, that's not what he's saying. He's saying in a tough situation, he was able to turn it around and make it his own. Like, yeah, it sucks that you're doing something that you don't necessarily want to do, let alone have experience in, and only have a week to be able to get everything down pat. You know, just go with it. Learn from the experience. You might find something about it that you like. That's all just kind of working outside of your comfort zone, basically. It's, you know, it's a hard adjustment. I don't like changes any more than the next person likes change, but sometimes, you know, when I was at my, my job and I ended up having to be on another machine and they knew, you know, that was a thing that was stressful for me. It's like, I didn't, especially you're working on a line with other people that are already up to speed and have their own way of how they do things. Here comes this newcomer to end up slowing them down as they're learning how to, you know, use the machine and everything like that. But I did it because it was my job to send me where I needed to go, regardless of whether I wanted to be there or be in my my bubble at my own machine and be in my little safe space. So Dave stands up holding Alvin and says, what I'm saying is taking chances is what life's all about. That's right, Alvin. And Dave says, remember, Alvin, the well-beaten path rarely leads to discovery. And Alvin's like, oh yeah? Well, you won't drive in a quick stand if you stay on the same road. <laughs> Alright, now we get that come on to my house, my house is gonna make you candy song montage again. Really funny, they love this song. They're like, we gotta get in here again. Can't believe that all of this has just happened in the span of six minutes. I'm looking at the display on here like, how long is... <laughs> Um, but now we're in the boys' room, and we got Elvin trying to put a piece of thread through the eye of the needle. We got Simon. Uh, well, no, we have, um, Theodore, you know, handling the big old, uh, light there. The spotlight. We also see a stuffed... Turkey, which I'm guessing might be a costume. Okay, this looks like Dave's car. Didn't he? He did. He drove a red, like, top down car that had, like, wooden door paneling on the sides. This is just, this is so Dave's car. So why is Aunt Henny or Grandma Henny or driving it. Yeah, we end the montage with, I don't know what that bucket of white stuff was that fell on Dave as he was bringing Aunt Henny's suitcase around and then, I guess they have a couple birds in their room and the cage flew out the window and Dave's just sitting there like asking, what is going on up there? 
And Alvin says, welcome to the world of risk takers. All right, so it's later that night. The boys are in their room. Alvin is actually trying to coach Simon on his lines. Like, you need to project, put a little more enthusiasm into your voice. You're sounding kind of flat. And Simon just feels like, I fucking suck. I'm going to bomb this play, and then all of our family's going to see. Alvin says, a little more De Niro and a little less Ethel Merman. Why is Theodore wearing what looks like a miner's helmet that's got a light on the top of it? Because he opens the door thinking it's Dave and it's Aunt Henny. And Theodore, with that light on his helmet, shining it right in her eyes. She's like, get the light out of my face. She's asking him where her room's supposed to be? The fuck, Dave? You didn't tell her? It's later in the evening. When she arrived, when Dave arrived with her, it was still daylight out. So what the fuck? What a fucking wench. So Dave dips his head in. It's like, wow, Alvin, that's a great Indian costume. Or, in case, Native American. And Alvin just glowers at him and says, it's supposed to be a turkey. Dumb, dumb. So Dave wishes them all sweet dreams and tells them that they shouldn't let fear control their lives. And we go into each of their nightmares. They're just so stressed out about this. And they're like, there's no way this play isn't going to go completely wrong. So first up is Alvin, since he is the one who's doing the costumes. He envisions that he's off in the wings of the stage as the kids are on the stage with the costumes Alvin has created. Like this one boy who's supposed to be dressed as a pilgrim. It's like his outfit explodes off his body and he's standing, this kid's standing there in boxer shorts. I mean, when I say kid, he's probably like, probably 12 years old. And immediately it's like his hands go down to his... Uh, his whatnots. Like, ah. You just see the audience with a hand to their mouth in gasping shock. Like, <gasps> and is it being televised? Because there's a camera there and we see that poor kid and his boxers. TV5, that's right. Because when Dave was telling his story, TV5 was the camera that was filming him. So, Alvin runs over as he's like, gosh, I knew this would happen. And he starts to stitch up the costume that ripped apart. But then all of a sudden, it's like the costume takes on a life of its own along with other things that he sewed together and every, everything. And it's they all become monsters. Uh, looks like a Native American, a pilgrim, a turkey, and they're all chasing Elvin. So the pilgrim and the turkey are all spouting their grievances to Elvin, saying, this is going to be filmed on live TV. And the turkey says, my family's in the audience. And the cornucopia even has a voice as he tells Elvin, you should never try new things. You're always going to fail. So it's just Elvin's worries coming back to haunt him in the worst way. One of those supposed to be a pumpkin pie because it looks like like a flower, but it, it's, it's like brown with like a golden crispy ring around. Like that's got to be a pumpkin pie come to life. 
Alright, let's see how Simon's gonna do in his nightmare. So, we see Simon's dream, of course, his fear is performing on stage as the lead and forgetting his lines, or saying his lines with a high-pitched voice because he's nervous, and just uh, the audience just laughing at him. He keeps saying the same line over and over. What is new life without new hopes and new dreams, or something to that effect? This is spooky. It's like the audience is like a black screen with some yellow lines that are making up the faces of the audience. And that's freaky. And Simon dreams that he wins the Ship of Fools award, which is because he made a fool of himself on stage. It must be because there's there's a fish tank in their room. That has a... Whoopsie. Yeah, there's a fish tank that has a ship in it. So I'm guessing that's where Simon kind of... It's so weird. Some of the things that we think of, how it's incorporated into our dreams or even our nightmares. And lastly, we have Theodore, who's afraid of messing the play up because he has to run the... The lighting cues. Okay, I gotta ask about whoever animated this is kind of a sicko. Well, maybe a little. Because in Theodore's dream, we have Theodore putting the spotlight on Simon. But then all of a sudden, it the spotlight jumps over to the stage where we have some kid in his boxers getting into a costume. We already saw a kid in his boxers on stage when... The costume Elvin made for this kid just split apart and just exploded. Now we got someone who looks like they can't find the the dressing room and they're getting changed on stage because he's right by the curtain. Like, dude, really? And the kid notices as he turns around, he's like, hey! And Theodore is so flustered because the spotlight is up on this, um wheelie cart thing so it's mobile you can move it around however you need to situate it and Theodore's like getting all like spinning the thing around so it's hitting members in the audience and people are looking back like what is that spotlight and why is it shining on us he even it looks like there's a balcony section for this auditorium Because he shines it on a mother with her baby, and the baby's got one of the fakest cries I've ever heard. I don't know how Simon ends up in that trombone. Apparently, that spotlight just blinds him. He falls off the stage and into the orchestra pit. But now Theodore's imagining himself being arrested because of this. I know Theodore's, like, out of the three, the naivest child is, like, one. And he, in his nightmare, sees Grandma Henny as a police officer. So, yeah, it's just these thoughts and these worries. And Grandma Henny's like, what made you think that you could try something new? Didn't you think that you would mess up and it wouldn't just embarrass you, but it embarrassed your entire family? And her face transforms into a witch. Gah. All three of them 
wake up screaming and run into Dave's room. He has got like a California king size bed that he is right in the middle of. It, this bed from behind the headboard is just huge. They tell Dave, you gotta keep the relatives from coming and seeing this play. We're gonna humiliate and embarrass and shame the Seville name. Too late. Relatives are already arriving. And there are a lot of... There's at least one, two, three, four cars. There's probably even more. I gotta say, I really love Elvin, Simon, and Theodore's pajamas. They're so adorable. I love how they're monogrammed in their colors with the red, blue, and teal. And they got... They're uh, monogrammed with the first letter of their name. And I also love how their bedspread also is the, the color... That represents them. Alright, here we go. We have another come on to my... They've played this now... I swear they played it three times. Already. So we got Uncle Leo. Not to be confused with Uncle Leo from Seinfeld. <laughs> he bops all three of the kids on the head as he walks past them. Oh my god, I don't know who this lady is. Uh, an aunt or something who likes to pinch cheeks. So much luggage by all these people. And then we have the boys' relatives from <clears throat> someplace. I still want to know how these are, are they related to the boys' mo biological mother or their biological father? I'm curious because we know they're not related to Dave Seville. Got some teen chipmunks. I'm guessing this little girl who's not a chipmunk is like, uh, I wasn't aware that David had Dave Seville had any siblings, so maybe it's like a great niece or something. I don't know. Oh, well, these children, these other children have basically taken over the boys' room, just making a mess, tipping over lamps. Looks like Alvin is still trying to get some costumes sewn for the play. Alright, we got someone outside the theater putting up the marquee sign with uh, the pilgrims. Adventure starring Simon Seville. I don't know why I thought it would be all three of their names. Like, no, the other two are working behind the scenes and Simon is the lead. So his name is going to be up there. Apparently some news reporter wants to interview Simon who just happens to be right outside the community theater. He's so flustered, he tumbles back and hits the ladder that the community theater worker is standing on it, knocks him over, knocks all the letters off out of the box. Oh my goodness. And I guess it gets shown on television because everyone's laughing about it. Yeah, their whole family is sitting in the living room laughing Grandma Henny's like rolling her eyes. And then I just I feel bad for Elvin, Simon, and Theodore. They walk upstairs, heads hung low, so embarrassed. They go upstairs to their bedroom, which like I said, it's been taken over by at least 25 other kids that are all sleeping in sleeping bags on the floor. They can't even get to their beds. I bet anything their beds have been taken over too. Yep. I was right. We got kids at the foot end of the bed facing one way and then the kids at the head of the bed facing uh, four kids to a bed. <sighs> Looks like the house cleared out because it's play night. They're going to be heading over to the play. What time does it start? 
I love how we get a little uh, Star Wars reference with Simon saying, I wish I was in a galaxy far, far away. So, the boys have really had enough with Dave's advice. Like, remember boys, life is full of ups and downs. And Albert is like, with his hand. Like, I don't want to hear it. Are you? Oh my god. Because even Simon's like, I don't want to hear any more advice, Dave. Dave has to run. He has to go to the airport to pick up the rest of the relatives. The rest of the relatives? There's like 50 plus people in their house the night before. That How many people are coming to this? They're going to sell out the entire... Every single seat is going to be filled with a chipmunk butt relative or Dave's relatives. Any outsiders that are outside of this family that want to see the play are going to be SOL. Because <laughs> there's not going to be room to even sit anywhere. They might have to stand against the wall and watch, but who wants to do that? I remember some Sundays, especially during the holidays at church, the pews would be so packed. You'd have people, like, lined along the wall. Imagine standing for an hour. I mean, it's one thing if you're working, but literally standing in one spot for an hour. Whew. Alright, we got Theodore playing with- well, he's not playing with the lights, but why has he got, like, Christmas lights? Are those gonna be in the play? He's running spotlights. So Dave leaves, tells him to break a leg, and Theodore's like, what kind of advice is that to tell your kids? And Simon says, Theodore, it's an expression, a theatrical expression that means good luck. So Alvin tells Simon, hey, don't worry about it, I got a plan. Simon says, Alvin, no. I I know, I've seen your plans, and I've been part of them, and I, I, mm, it's just, I don't like this. So he goes to turn on the TV, and the newscaster's already there, talking about Pilgrim's An Adventure in a New Land, starring Simon Seville. And Simon turns it off, and looks at Alvin and says, alright, what's your plan? Oh, I thought, yeah, I remember seeing those brochures that say zoo on them on the desk. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it. (laughs) I'm speaking like I've never watched this before and I have. Like a couple weeks ago. Oh, his plan includes them looking like heroes and they go to the zoo. And the people at the zoo are the ones that couldn't get tickets to see this play. Like, we're going to go to the zoo. That's our plan B. So Alvin takes this doll that... Dave's cousins, I'm going to say it's his cousin's daughter, had with her. He takes the doll, chucks it like a football, it lands into the gorilla cage. And we see Simon, he's got this magenta-colored shirt, so what's that about? Oh, he jumps out of the bushes, says, Oh my goodness, there's a baby in the gorilla cage! says, I'd better find its mother, it. And he adds, even though I'm supposed to be starring in the community play tonight. Okay. But you just hear this person go, what? Like, what the hell is that about? Look over and it's like, I hear a voice. I heard a voice, but I don't see anybody. Maybe I'm hearing things. So we hear from the bushes, Simon saying, Elvin, this outfit is ridiculous. 
And Elvin says, just get your girdle on. And he pushes Simon out. Simon is now wearing a curly brown wig and a pink dress, a purse, and he has boobs. Clearly they're balloons. Those are some big ass boobs. Oh my god, they're huge. Remember, I will spoil it here. Um, I remember first watching this a couple of weeks ago and just thinking, I bet one of those boob balloons is going to pop. And damn, if I was correct, I'm like, I thought, I bet one of those boobs is going to pop. But what are the odds of that? Oh, it happened? Oh my gosh. Oh my god, no. Before I get to the boob balloon pop, <laughs> they end up sliding down because he bends down like, Somebody save my baby! <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember the animated movie Dumbo with those clowns and then you have Dumbo dressed with like a, a little baby hat and he's holding a little rattle in his trunk and he's got his face you know clown painted and you see this clown going somebody save our baby and another clown's like spraying him in the mouth with this uh, big glass jar of water <laughs> yeah i just thought of that <laughs> but yeah it's like these what are these balloon boobs made of and I mean, anyone looks at this, it's like, this person does not own a bra. They do not, they are not wearing a girdle. This one lady has got the most ridiculous cat's eye glasses that come at sharp points in the corners. There's also Grandma Henny, who's also there, which I thought she'd be at the show. Maybe she was there and didn't see the mirror. It's like, well, where the hell are they? They're supposed to be here. Damn it, Elvin, your aim sucks. Because Theodore's got a fl big flashlight. He's like, Elvin, the doll is stuck in the tree. It's one of those that goes, Mama, Mama. Oh, those balloon boobs on Simon are so damn distracting. <laughs> He's like, well, what's a mother to do? Elvin. What the hell was that? There must be someone outside. So Elvin comes in with a rope. And he's just like, oh, don't worry, ma'am. I'll save your baby. Of course, I keep wanting to bring emphasis to those that are watching. I'll save your baby even though I'm supposed to be on stage right now or... I'm supposed to be at the play about the Pilgrim's new adventure. Oh, even the... Even the purse is the same shade as the dress that Simon's wearing. He's even got lipstick on. Well, and a curly brown wig. But he's got his glasses. So, Simon's whispering to Elvin, like, Elvin, get the fucking doll out of the tree! And Elvin's like, I'm trying! If only I had light! And here we have Theodore, like, I'll do it! And he's got double giant yard flashlights. And the thing is, I guess, was Theodore, because they each say one, but I'm supposed to be at the community theater! Because 
Elvin turns to Theodore and says, But Theodore, aren't you supposed to be at the community theater right now? Oh, he is really about the theatrics here. He's like, Saving lives comes first in line. It's first in my book. So they shine the spotlight on the doll. Which is stuck in the tree. Now, Elvin lassos the doll, luckily gets the doll, and he's pulling, like really yanking on that rope. Now, mind you, the crowd that is gathered, it's, they're thinking this is a real baby that Elvin is yanking on with so much pressure. Just like, uh, uh. and they're seeing this baby like being like stretched and all the people like, oh! And Simon's trying to do damage control with the crowd. It's like, oh, don't worry. She's been growing like a weed lately. That's why she's stretching. So Elvin's like, forget this damn rope. This is not working. Pulls out a slingshot, hits the doll, knocks her out of the tree. Again, the crowd thinks this is a real baby. And of course, wouldn't you know, the doll falls right into the gorilla cage. Great. Oh, the lady with the cat's eyes glass like, let us help! Simon's like, stand back! <laughs> I mean, she's very shy, because the woman is like, like, oh, okay. It won't interfere. So Elvin's got the rope that's around the doll, and he's pulling it out of the cage. Well, he's trying to anyway. He's like, Simon, help me out here. Uh, to make matters worse, because Simon's like, I'm not putting my hand in the gorilla cage, Elvin. And I was like, well, I guess my trusty brother Simon will rescue the baby. He's saying this, Elvin's saying this to the crowd. Like, why don't you go get him? So Simon jumps into the bush, bush jumps out, and he is dressed as himself. Like, where's that baby? Of course, he goes to reach his hand in there, and the gorilla is like, what do you think you're doing? You're not taking this baby away from me. Slash doll. Oh, Simon is not messing around. He's like, back off, banana breath. Even the gorilla is like, ah, backing away. Ah. Of course, Theodore's got that giant spotlight right on the gorilla and Simon. So Simon has to turn around and say, can you cut that light, Theodore? So he ends up pulling the doll's head off as he's pulling it out of the cage. And then he pops the head back on, but it's on backwards. Again, the crowd thinks this is a real baby. So yeah, yep, just like that. Has Theater pop the lights back on. Simon is not even looking at this doll as he's got it thrust into the air like Raviki with Simba. And we see the doll's head is on backwards. And Elvin, because this lady's like, oh my gosh! Elvin had to, like, nudge Simon, like, um, there's a situation with your baby. It's heads on backwards. And Simon's like, oh, babies are just so flexible at this age as he turns the head around. So Simon hands the doll off to Elvin and says, I'll go get, give her mother the good news. And he jumps into the bushes to change back. Oh! <laughs> Simon comes out dressed as the mother of this quote-unquote baby, hugs the doll to his balloon boob chest so hard he pops one of his balloon boobs. I don't know any... (laughs) This is... Even the gorilla who's now up against the bars of the cage is just looking at Simon with a raised eyebrow like... I don't know much about the human 
anatomy, but I'm pretty sure they don't just have one boob in the center of their chest. (laughs) He's just, seriously, he's got a raised eyebrow. He's looking right at Simon. Like, I'm pretty sure that most women have two breasts and not one sticking out of the middle of their chest like a balloon. No one else really gives a crap. Like, oh, it's a lady who's got had t- two boobs, but now only has one. Oh, who cares? The baby's saved. <laughs> so the guys roll up out of the zoo, and they're like, all right, mission accomplished. And Simon checks his watch and says, all right, there's five minutes to curtain call. Not bad, not bad. And Simon also adds how they're 20 minutes away. Hey, now a cop car just pulled up. So the cop gets out of the car and he praises Elvin, Simon, and Theodore, but it was pretty awesome what you guys did back there. It was pretty heroic. And Elvin's like, oh, it's no big deal. I mean, it's nothing a risk-taker adventurer wouldn't have done the same thing. I'm sure they would have. So I like how the cop, like, kind of lifts his hat just a smidge and, like, really looks at the boys like, hey, aren't you boys supposed to be at the uh, the theater? You guys are in a play tonight, right? And Simon, or Simon, Elvin says, yes, we we are, but, you know, we, we felt that this was a sacrifice we, we had to make. We had to save that baby. Simon even adds, yeah, all our relatives were coming, too. I mean, they'll be so disappointed that we're not there. And they're kind of digging themselves into a hole here because the cop actually suggests taking them to... The play, because he's a cop, so he can run his siren to run all the lights. Like, that's not an emergency. That is so wrong. I think if one of them were, like, on death's door and, like, we gotta rush you to the hospital, there's, like, a 99.9% chance we could save you. Yes, turn on your siren. But <laughs> this is not one of those times. Yeah, Elvin's like, yeah, the play starts in five minutes and we're, like, at least 20 minutes away. And... Theodore pretty much digs her own grave for all three of them when he says, oh yeah, I mean, to get there, we'd most likely need a police escort. Like, where are we going to find one of those? Yeah. I love how Elvin and Simon just, like, head, like, slam their heads into the hood of that cop car. Like, ooh, face plant. Like, ooh, Theodore, you idiot. He's like, Oops. The cop's like, all right, hop in, boys. We'll get you there. Like, way to go, Theodore. Can you imagine if the their eye color matched their shirts? Like, Alvin would have red pu- uh, red, um, it's the iris, right? I can't, anyway. And then, it's, I mean, Theodore pretty much already had, it looks like it's kind of a tealish blue. And then Simon already has blue eyes, but that'd be interesting to see Elvin's having red. I love how there's only one car out. Because everyone else is at that theater playhouse waiting for them to arrive. So we see the audience. Dave's there and the rest of the family's there. All 100 of them. They sold out every single seat. They bought every single seat. It's like, gosh, I wonder where the boys are. And I did Uncle Leo, is it? Who's sitting behind Dave, puts a hand on his shoulder and says, Hey, they've probably got like stage fright or something. Don't worry about it. Wait, is it Grandpa Leo? Cause he's like, Hey, you know, remember that time you were a cowboy on stage and you had stage fright? So Mrs. Carrie, is it? 
runs outside, sees the cop car door fly open. The boys are there looking dejected as hell and just miserable. Like, we don't want to do this. And she's like, another 10 seconds. It would have been too late, boys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So we see that there are, in fact, other children in this play other than the three of them. And Simon's chewing his fingers off, practically. Uh, Elvin's, like, shuddering in fear. And Grandma Henny is on stage? Are you going to bitch them out for making everybody wait? Like, where the fuck have you been? We've been here for the last, like, three hours. Because we had nothing else to do. (laughs) Or we've been here for, like, an hour since we have nowhere else to go but here. This is our main objective since we all flew in. Oh no, she says she saw them at the zoo. Why the hell was she there? Was she following them? Was she stalking them? What's going on? Why she got an accent? Dave doesn't have an accent. Granted, it's a grandmother, but who knows. It it wasn't us! And Grandma Henny says, well, you know, that's too bad, because I saw three chipmunks put on one of the best performances my eyeballs have ever seen. The acting, the costumes. Well, only one was in costume, and that was theater. I mean, that was Simon. With his balloon boobs and his brown wig. And Theodore's like, what about the lighting? And Grandma Henny says, oh, it was inspirational. As she throws her arms back. Says, why, those three could have done anything. And the boys are like, they could have? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, too bad it wasn't you three. So Miss Carrie comes in and says, five seconds till curtain. So they just needed that confidence boost from Grandma Henny, who surprisingly is not a bitch anymore. And like, hey, she thinks we can do it. Maybe we can do it. Let's do it. I'll go to my lighting queue and I'll go out on stage and I'll be waiting in the wings fixing costumes if they need it. If you think about it, I think Elvin's pretty much done with his. Unless he's got to fix costumes, which he shouldn't have to. I hope not. The only ones that really have... Sorry for yawning. Mm. It's going on 9.30. Um... (laughs) Simon really's got the biggest part is because he's going to be on stage as the lead. And then, of course, Theodore's going to make sure he's meeting his lighting cues. Look at me acting like I've been in a drama class or in a theater class or in a play. I've never been in any of those. Theodore says, she's a tough nut, referring to Grandma Henny. And Theodore says, break a bone. That's his version of break a leg. Okay, we don't get to see the play, but apparently it went smashingly well. As everyone's clapping, Simon comes out along with the pumpkin pie and the other pilgrim and the turkey. And they all take a bow. Oh, and the Native American girl with the glasses. Aw, I like that pumpkin pie. That kid dresses the pumpkin pie. Yeah. Oh, I love how Simon looks up to Theodore and kind of, like, puts his arm out, like, eh, thank you, Theodore. Oh, and of course, we gotta thank Alvin for those costumes. No one's splitting their pants. No one's splitting their seams. All three brothers on stage. Eh, standing tall and proud and confident as we see hands at the bottom of the screen clapping. I do like Simon's spectacles from the days of 
I guess, would you call them the pioneer days? Something like that? Hey, it looks like we're back to the house. It's Thanksgiving dinner and Grandma Henny is making a speech congratulating the boys, saying how great they were. We see part of a turkey. We see a fruit plate with five bananas, a pear, two apples, and some grapes. But she's got to get everyone's attention. She slams her fist on the table. Hey, I'm speaking! I like, yeah, Theodore's up on a little ladder and he's got a toilet plunger using it as, like, um, to hold the flashlight that's been rubber banded to it as a spotlight. Even though there's a light in the middle of, you know, the table there. So, Simon does a toast saying, thank you for the family support. It makes risk taking a lot easier. So Dave comes out with muffins and Elvin's like, hey, guess what? Speaking of risk taking, we got a surprise for you. We signed you up for a golf tournament. Why? Why are you signing him up for a golf tournament? You, They've not seen the, the bent clubs. They've not seen the bent clubs. He, he's bent like 12 of them. An entire set of golf clubs. Celebrity golf tournament? I thought the boys were the celebrity, not Dave. Dave's a songwriter. How is he a celebrity? Okay, guys, seriously. Not only is it a celebrity golf tournament, but guess what it is? The day after Thanksgiving. Oh, you get it. Black for- Nobody's going to be there. They're going to be shopping them deals. Pre-2020, they're going to be shopping them deals. They're going to be getting up at 3 a.m. They're going to be parking their butts in a tent outside Best Buy. (laughs) Probably. I don't know. I still remember years ago on our way back from uh, spending Thanksgiving at relatives. We'd drive past the Best Buy. Sometimes it'd be snowing. Sometimes it wouldn't be. And we would already see a line of people at like 8 o'clock at night. Tents fixed outside the entrance, wrapped around the building. Yeah. Oh, oh, I get it. Yeah, they did this because all all the relatives, I mean, they're here. They're not going home. So why not? It's clearly there for the weekend, right? So they can all come and watch Dave get so angry he's going to bend a club over his knee. Yeah. Sounds great. But hey, if he mastered that Home on the Range song with his own lyrics, I don't see why he can't master golf. But if he can't even... In your front yard is not where you need to be hitting the golf balls. <laughs> go to a course, go to a driving range. But don't do it in your front unless you feel like buying new windows. And excited, like, oh, but we were just going to go shopping tomorrow, but <laughs> now we get to go to a tournament. Wow. Celebrity Golf tournament, too. Why did those muffins change color? (laughs) They had brown muffin tops, and now they're like blonde muffin tops. And Dave's like, I don't know what I'm doing, though. And Elva's like, well, neither did we. And you've got all night to practice. Um, you guys had time before the play to get your skills up to par, at least. Dave doesn't even have that. He has been practicing, but he's... He doesn't have a train. He doesn't have, you know, anyone who knows how to play golf maybe giving him tips. The internet didn't exist at this time, clearly. Or if they did, they're not on it. 
Um, there's no YouTube videos or how-tos. I'm sure if you go on YouTube, you can look at the Golfing 101 or practice with, like, one of the, the Wii golf games or something like that. I really ambushed him. Like, I'm not ready. And he's like, that's not enough time. And besides, my golf clubs are in really bad shape. And Simon's like, don't worry about it. We welded them back together. They look like fucking shit. What did you weld exactly? They look bent. They're not going to be usable. Go out and just get him another set of clubs somewhere. Oh, he's going to be stressing and having golfing nightmares. Like, where his head is the golf ball and the club is like Elvin, Simon, and Theodore all shout, or Grandma Henny shouting, you're a failure! You're horrible! You suck! You're gonna lose! You know, all negative stuff like that. He's gonna be chased down with in his nightmare with the golf club. Simon's like, taking chances is what life's all about. I love how they're feeding Dave, regurgitating his information and throwing it back in his face. You see how this didn't help us? Well, we are going to throw it back at you because we know it ain't going to help you either. Oh, Grandma Henny, wise words from her. She's just like, David, do your best. You'll be fine. Relax. It looks like he wants to puke. He is so nervous. And Dave's like got his hands in his hair, like ready to just pull out tufts of his own hair. And he's like, please tell me this is only going to be seen by a few people. Well, it is a celebrity tournament, so I can imagine it's going to be, like, coast to coast. Elvin says, televised, coast to coast. And Theodore's like, remember, Dave, you told us, if you don't take risks, you'll never grow as a person. He slides out of his chair until he's underneath the table. And the unbeaten path rarely leads... A well-beaten path rarely leads to discovery. So yeah, they're throwing all the mantra and the mottos and the sayings and the shit that he spewed at them for the last week right back in his face. And Alvin stands up and winks at us like, see? <laughs> okay, I have no idea what that song is they're singing. It's not, come on to my house, I'm gonna give you candy. Because they've done that like three times during all three montages. But that is the episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. I thought it was cute watching it again. <laughs> There's some things I don't think I picked up on the first time. But, oh my gosh. Simon and those balloon poops. I will never be able to get that image out of my head when he popped it. <laughs> and that, that gorilla with that raised eyebrow just looking at Simon like, um, I'm pretty sure women have two boobs and not one that's large and inflatable in the center of their chest. <laughs> Alright, everyone. Have a great, wonderful, safe, Thanksgiving. Whether you're celebrating with family and friends, whether you're just at home with your immediate family, whether you're doing a Zoom Thanksgiving, have a good time. Bye-bye, everybody.